Hello everybody. How's everybody's days going or night or wherever you are in the planet? Good. How about you, bro? It's ironic that I tried to do a German yeah. thing now. Oh, yes, the stream is starting. Oh my god, please for the love of god say that you're not gonna do a German accent. That would be the last thing I need. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, chokes, I'll be right back. I just need to close the door to my office. Won't be a second, guys. Uh dog. Woof woof. You gotta get that dog checked out. Jesus. And then you have a fat dog. Wait, that dog's not normal, bro. That dog don't make a bath. Hey, a thousand. I think you should ask uh, EE your question right now. Oh, yeah. Quiet. Um, uh, yes, uh, economics explained. Uh, I have to go to work soon, so I'll make it real quick. It's more of a statement. Uh, regarding when you said the Thai miracle. Uh, Just by the way, a thousand. I think you stepped out of the room. No, no, I'm here, I'm here. Oh. I just went to close the, oh. did, the door to my office. I'm oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just a really, yeah, really quick statement on the Thai miracle. I would uh, dispute it, especially in comparison to, like, the Chinese and Japanese miracles uh, in comparison-wise. As someone who has had family in Thailand, like, I, I don't see a miracle anywhere, my dude. I, I think it's... Uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that not every country that industrializes experiences quite the miracle Germany had like 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 you said in the video uh, that's just from personal experience okay so again uh, they're definitely a statement but um, and I think it's one of those cases where uh, you don't actually realize sort of how good it is you know you don't see the trees amongst the forest right of uh, the forest amongst the trees I'm not sure um, but Yes, I mean, certainly there are still issues in Thailand, undoubtedly. I mean, poverty is still an issue that, that affects the nation. And, uh, you know, living standards are not nearly what we'd consider first world yet. Um, but general quality of life has massively, massively increased um, in, you know, sort of the past two decades because they have sort of embraced a lot of, uh, you know, technical innovation. They've become more open to market economies. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, they, they have industrialized. So um, while it hasn't potentially reached everyone yet, uh, it's still something that I would consider a, a you know, an economic miracle. Um, in the sense, you know, if, if we're saying someone like China is, is an economic miracle, then, uh, you know, why not? Right. Uh, and and Actually, in, the, in the same true. way in China, like there are still very poor people in China. There are still very poor people yes. in the United States of America, uh, but it doesn't mean that yeah. the country hasn't been, you know, we can, you know, throw that little miracle label on it. Oh, right, right. I, I just meant, actually, I was going to use China as an example. The, like, per capita GDP is, like, in the eight, almost 9,000, while, while in Thailand it's still in the 6,000 range. So I I believe that it mostly, if, if I can say the like you you know how it's easier for undeveloped nations to grow faster because of uh basically there's a lower cost to acquiring the new technologies in comparison to like replacing older infrastructure that was more incremental in development i i would like to say though that perhaps the difference why i wouldn't say thailand is is because of the 
economic mismanagement and political economic mismanagement by the government in comparison to say like china which did much more uh, gdp per capita wise compared to thailand in a shorter amount of time that's that's just from my perspective and from what i've talked with my family that that's all i wanted to say ah. uh, thank you that's okay. Um, well, look, I mean, it's an interesting topic, and I mean, it's a bit off topic of Germany, but oh, we'll touch on it briefly. We'll touch on it briefly. Um, I think the ultimate argument there was GDP per capita um, hasn't grown at the same rate and hasn't reached the same level that China has. Um, but I would still say, look, uh, obviously, the, the, the kind of growth that we've seen in a lot of these countries, these rapidly industrializing countries, has been remarkable. Uh, it has meant that living standards have... Well, at least someone's watching the video. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, bringing, it, bringing it back to uh, Germany, I believe one of the greatest reasons, like you said, the efficiency is because of the economic management uh, by the government. They they haven't uh, kerfuffled it, if you will. <laughs> they haven't kerfuffled it. Yes, it's very bad when uh, governments kerfuffle their economy. But uh, but yeah, look, I mean, certainly, um, I think the big point that I was trying to take away from that is, um, you know, there are uh, instances where. You know, economies just get really lucky. And, you know, I'm the first person to sing the praises of, of nations like Norway or, uh, you know, maybe even to a lesser extent, places like Sweden or the United States, um, where they have, you know, in effect been pretty lucky by a lot of metrics. You know, they've got either, you know, industrial, uh, sorry, uh, natural resources or, you know, geographic uh, locations that make growth relatively um, palatable. Uh, and then you have Germany, who's kind of just been literally in the middle of Europe uh, you know, since its inception. You know, it's, it's got some natural resources, but nothing to write home about. And it's just been, you know, beat down. And, you know, any time it sort of seems to make progress, there's something else that goes wrong with it. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't, uh, you know, a completely innocent victim amongst all of these sort of, uh, you know, let's call them discretionary setbacks. Uh, <laughs> That's one way of putting it. But it still goes to show that good economic management and good sort of fundamental uh, controls over an economy mean uh, that, you know, you, you can do well uh, despite, you know, kind of having all of these setbacks and despite not necessarily being as blessed right. as, uh, you know, other nations out there. Totally agree. Absolutely. And if I can put in one last point is that uh, Germany does have quite a bit of uh, coal and natural resources and including quite a few uh, larger river systems and transportation networks uh, that benefit uh, its industrial economy quite a lot throughout the years. And uh, uh, shoot, I'm sorry, I have to go to work. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, everyone. Uh, thank you, Economics Explained. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I have to go. Uh, thank you. Love you, Thousand. Uh, no worries, mate. See you, Thousand. Love you. My Love goodness. him more. Oh, he left. My goodness gracious me! That was the he, most he, polite he, man he in the entire fun. world. That was fantastic. Yeah, he's a, he's fantastic. I love it. Um, I, I think I am a lot more polite. But shut uh, up, Meek. You're not. Uh, <laughs> this is not a contest, <laughs> okay? That must be a joke. That wasn't very polite, man. I feel offended. You had my turn. This good polite contest. Okay, oh, uh, isn't that, the isn't so wholesome? The, the, Germany, the Thailand. Oh, okay, no. No, go ahead. Ask your question on Thailand. I had a, didn't know this was a, a video on Thailand, but that 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 one sentence must have is what really sold this video. Apparently, all right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say Thailand. Even though it's getting wealthier, its wealth inequality is really bad. One percent on sixty-seven percent of all the wealth. Ah. Anyway, 
I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, wealth inequality is a problem in a lot of nations, especially nations that have gone through industrial, rap, you know, uh, sorry, rapid industrialization. Uh, you know, it happened to, to places like China, even. Um, you know, there's huge wealth inequality between people in the cities and people in the countryside uh, even today, and it's not something that's necessarily a Thai problem. I think it's more so uh, a byproduct of that kind of rapid industrialization, because unfortunately, people just get left behind uh, in those kinds of transitions. I think ultimately, as sort of uh, these nations kind of slow down, plateau, and uh, their domestic market becomes more influential than their export market, uh, equality sort of tends to stabilize a little bit. Uh, but I think overall, still, the general wealth of, of an individual in, in Thailand or, you know, Malaysia or the Philippines or something like that, it has increased quite significantly. So it's, it's not all, it's not all bad. Uh, and yes, it is 12.30 here in uh, Sydney, but you know me, I, I don't really sleep, you know, I'm going to wake up at five o'clock and that's why I live on Red Bulls and, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, Red Bulls and coffee, which is probably not healthy. Oh, well. I was like to uh, make it funny. About, uh... Uh, is economic, sorry, income inequality a good thing for economy or not? So, I mean, that, go ahead. Yeah, such a such a loaded question. And of course, there's no necessarily correct answer. Um, I'm obviously, uh, you know, and I think it comes across pretty evidently in my videos, despite my attempts to remain pretty impartial, um, you know, probably a little bit more left-leaning than, than a lot of my other peers. Um, but, uh, that being said, I'm, I'm definitely not an advocate of everyone must be equal all the time. Um, I think a certain level of income and wealth inequality is a good thing. You know, it's something that's motivating. Like it's the reason that I'm going to wake up at five o'clock tomorrow morning to go to a very demanding job. It's the reason that I spent sort of eight years at university. It's the reason that I, you know, studied so hard and worked so hard. It's the reason that I sort of give back to society through, uh, well, moving numbers around on Excel spreadsheets and making questionable YouTube videos, but, uh, you know, contributing to society nonetheless. Uh, and I think that kind of motivation is very good. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously distributing resources, uh, you know, effectively through the guiding hand of the market, there's a lot to be said about that. I think where it gets bad is where it starts to limit people's ability to access things like education, healthcare, uh, and, you know, investing into themselves to become the most productive members of a society that they could possibly be. Uh, when you see that, like, you know, people can't afford to go to school or can't afford medication or can't afford to see a doctor, uh, that is ultimately a point where they are becoming less valuable to society as a whole. Now, that is the most heartless way of saying that I advocate for some level of wealth equality. Uh, but I think it's ultimately what it comes down for. Even being a heartless, cold, bastard economist, we say, well, we just want to absolutely maximize the amount of output that we're able to get out of human capital. Um, and this is how we do it. We need to make sure that they're just wealthy enough so that they can give more back to society. So it's more of a social thing than just simply economic. That is that's exactly the point I was not trying to make. I don't give a, I don't give a goddamn crap if someone's down there on the street begging. My problem with homeless people is, hey man, you could be running a factory line, you could be serving my, me a coffee, you could be flipping some burgers, you could be building a car. You are a wasted piece of human capital when you're sitting on the corner of the street there. I don't get you're better employed doing anything else but sitting on the street. Yeah. That's, your, that's the philosophy. How, how about building chairs on the street so other homeless people can sit on? <laughs> wow. 
trust me. Yeah, yeah, make this Wait, take a moment. This guy's, this guy's living in 3,020 oh. already. Thanks, man. Why doesn't, the home... Why doesn't the homeless guy just buy a home? It's not that hard. <sighs> My God. Uh, no, I think you met Romney. Why does the poor make more money? I mean, why they are poor? Um, can I ask a question to the last video about Star Wars? <laughs> yes, you absolutely can. I, I'm so uh, sad that that video didn't get more views. I had so much fun talking about it. Oh Yeah, well. I mentioned it in the YouTube suggestions already, but I think your numbers on the cartridge scale are way off. Like yeah. 10 to the order of 8 or something, and that's like huge. Uh, you know um, what? You absolutely could be 100% right there. I am not a theoret Like, I stopped doing physics in like my last year of high school. Um, I was just trying to have some fun with it. Please leave me alone. Uh, no, it's probably, probably completely yeah, yeah, fair no, enough. No problem. It was a good video still, but uh, like that's on the scale of having one Death Star and having a billion Death Stars just from one sun. Yeah, I, I like someone pointed out to me, it's like, yeah, so um, the Star Wars universe inhabited 50 million systems, but they didn't extract 100% of the energy from the suns of those 50 million systems. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's probably true. Because really, I was like thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just basically take the energy of 50 million suns, which in hindsight was probably uh, probably not the right idea. And then that kind of was like, uh, you know, you can kind of go there. Um, it wasn't really an excuse or a white paper to, to sort of point to where uh, the Star Wars universe exactly would be. I think it was more of a fun way to teach people about what the Kardashev scale is, um, how energy output relates to, you know, economic prosperity and economic output. Uh and even if I got the numbers a little bit wrong, I think I actually made mistakes with the calculation conversions. Like, I think I added way too many zeros. Um, and I also said watts per second, which made people yeah, very angry. Yeah, watts uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we're meant to tell yeah. you that last night or whenever you put up the video, but you kind of left before we could manage to do that. Oh, man, I got some... I got. I actually got someone emailing me. I was like, oh, hey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did they, were they polite about it, at least? Yeah, no, no, they they were. I was like, ah, oh, okay, <laughs> yes, lesson learnt. Yeah, I'll never do anything that involves any kind of physics again. My uh, my physics teacher from uh, year twelve will be extremely disappointed in me. I think all of our teachers from year twelve are extremely disappointed. Oh, uh, we made it up to year twelve. With me. Oh wait, my yeah, economics teacher's you. proud of me. He says. Oh yeah. Uh, so um. There are several inaccuracies in your Germany video when you talk about modern Germany. Yeah. Pointed out. Like yeah, I... you think that the workers aren't exploited ruthlessly? They are. Do you know about Hart's fear? That's not a problem. I am a German. There is something other like where you can work in a factory without any social protection from that factory because you're officially employed at another company. Marginal the... employment, yes. We have really the same here in the US, though. Yeah, I don't know the English name, sorry. I think they um, were called so, the um... mini jobs. Alright, so um... Uh, I, I, I would certainly acquiesce that uh, Germany is not a worker's paradise by any, any measure, and they are, I would say, the general level of expectations of a German employee is, is literally, I don't know, it holds to the stereotype. It's like, uh, you gotta be efficient. You gotta be. You gotta be turned on. There is uh, probably not as much room for errors like there would be in, like even say the the USA uh, or Australia certainly. Um, but 
it's one of those things again it's hard to see sort of how fortunate you are uh amongst you know you know when you're when you're amongst it you know there, there are still sort of rules around you know holiday allowances health care things like that uh that means that you know the average worker in germany uh is a lot better off um and when i say average i mean like median worker in, in germany is a lot better off than than the median worker in, in the usa and I, I would say that quite comfortably but uh, but so i'm very you, open for for people yeah, to disagree with me there to you do do your uh, retirees have to uh, go through the garbage to uh, to sell cans because they are getting so uh, they don't get much in pension i mean they really cut pensions in agenda 2011 like literally homeless people are uh, screwing through the garbage cans from which do you talk about germany currently yes german uh, pensioners a lot of them get uh, a really low pension yeah there are some but um yeah the pension system in germany is actually pretty fucked up because we have like four different pension systems you can take a, like private pension above it and so on and so on and you get less the more of these systems you took that's actually quite funny so um i wanted to present an alternative perspective to when uh ee e. said that he would tolerate a certain amount of income inequality so um money is a commodity right so uh, it has diminishing returns, so wouldn't uh, a dollar uh, have more utility uh, for, say, a poor person than, uh, say, Bill Gates? Uh, so uh, wouldn't perfect economic um, distribution, perfect wealth distribution, perfectly equal wealth distribution make, uh, make give maximum utilization of money, maximum utility for all the money that we have on Earth? That doesn't work because utility cannot be compared between individuals. It's not ordinal. Uh, excuse me, I didn't hear you. Uh, you cannot compare utility between individuals. It, it's, it's, there's no standard unit of measurement. There's no way to define um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to, no, uh, I'm not trying no, to so, so, no, but you're trying to say you're trying you're trying to say that someone would have more utility with this unit of currency but you don't know how to measure whether anyone would have more utility with this unit no, of it's, currency uh, than I someone else I agree that there's uh, I agree that there's uh, not a definitive scale for measuring utility but you could assume that a dollar worth of money uh, would be of more utility to a beggar than it is to Bill Gates. Yeah, how, how I, I would can you logically know? assume. How, 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 because, how would you assume because, if you because, don't know? Because money is a commodity and commodities have diminishing returns of uh, diminishing utility. I think you're talking about inflation. Uh, excuse me? Are you talking about He's, inflation? He's uh, talking about the fact that like... Uh... Well, I think his example with Bill Gates and like a poor person is a good example. If you give someone who's like got no money some money, or you give mm -hmm. Bill Gates some money, who's going to be the one who benefits personally the most out of that? Yeah, but you, he already admitted that you cannot compare between people. So the question is. Yeah, no, well, you, you I, can't I, compare between people. I, Let's I, I agree with him to a certain point in which he said that wouldn't a uh, until he said that uh, wouldn't a perfectly like, equal society where people have uh, low, very very low 
again, I think, that I think question is more yeah. well, than economic. Well, economic. yeah. Well, let's um, let let's put aside the fact that you know everyone's different. Let, let's take a ceteris paribus approach to to this, and it becomes a really interesting. You know, <laughs> even if it's just sort of an interesting um, thought experiment, right? Now, there are two things that I want anyone to consider while they're doing this, because of course there are lots of arguments that have been made. Know, for or against perfect wealth equality, for or against income equality, and or inequality. Now, the first thing, and I think um, to, to support your point of diminishing marginal returns for cumulative assets, you know, we're just sort of saying, um, you know, money is a commodity like everything, and, you know, it's going to have diminishing returns the, the more you have of it. Um, well, the start is that something that people have sort of studied, and it's more to do with your marginal propensity to consume. Now, wealthy people, let's take the example of Bill Gates, for every extra dollar that Bill Gates gets, he probably doesn't even realize it. You know, he has his staff that pay for all of his, you know, house taxes, land taxes, groundskeeping, anything that he sort of needs to pay for. It's very unlikely that he ever reaches into his wallet to get anything. Uh, you know, his staff, his, his, his major domos will, will handle pretty much all of his general living expenses and his businesses are all pretty much run. He has a family office that handles all of his uh, investments and for the most part, those kinds of smaller decisions are just not something that comes up to him. So his marginal propensity to consume is, is very low. For every extra dollar he gets, he's probably gonna spend you know, 0.01% of it, it'd be almost irrelevant. Now for someone like, let's say a struggling single mother on the other end of the spectrum, you know, every extra dollar that she gets is pretty much all gonna be spent, you know, slightly improving the life of her children, you know, extra groceries, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, comfort at the end of the at the end of the week with any given paycheck so her marginal propensity to consume will be very very high for every extra dollar she gets she'll spend almost every dollar now the later example with the um uh, single mother is, is actually better for the economy because of multiplier or the velocity of money um you know she'll go and spend that dollar and if it's going that extra dollar is going to a store where another single mother works. She might get an extra dollar who will then go out and spend it, you know, repairing her car at a mechanics. The mechanic is probably going to spend a good majority of the dollar that he makes. And if it eventually goes to, a, let's say, a Microsoft subscription and it goes into Bill Gates' pocket, well, that's where the buck sort of stops, literally. <laughs> Actually, I, I like that. Uh, but money is something that has uh, almost perfectly inelastic demand it's just one of those things that has sort of a set price now it isn't something that is like a general commodity you know people want more of it irrespective of how much they have of it uh which is sort of the function of demand which means it's not necessarily like rice or cars or houses where your um demand for it can be satiated i suppose um for a certain sense it's pretty much you know, people want more and more and more of it. And also it is sort of a trend. It, 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 it's something that is um, more of a, of a product of your industriousness rather than just something that is there. So you trade your expertise for a set amount of cash. Uh, and I think the argument there that, um, oh, well, look, you know, if you have certain amount of cash, you, you kind of don't want any more, you, you're not gonna do any more. It's gonna have, you know, marginal sort of, it's gonna have a fall off in, in sort of usefulness for you. Uh, may be true in theory, uh, but certainly not in practice. I mean, I think, you know, even, you know, wealthier people 
um, have pretty much you know limitless demand for more and more and more money. Uh, I think that's a it, maybe call it a human a human floor. Um, as for whether the economy benefits from it, maybe the huge stockpiles of wealth, perhaps not. Uh, but certainly some level of inequality is a, a good incentive for uh, you know, individual industriousness. So that was sort of uh, like an extended amount of word vomit, but I think that is my general sort of thoughts on the issue. Um, I appreciate the sort of uh, where you came from with, uh, you know, oh, is it just sort of a commodity that has sort of uh, diminishing returns like everything else? I think it's one of those unique things where we're not really, no, it doesn't. So I want to add that explanation makes me man. feel whole. I want to I want to add to you um, what you was saying when it comes to wealth inequality. We can have wealth inequality um, that could be beneficial to society when the wealth inequality is uh, like the difference between the lowest and the highest is still like the lowest, you know, still can live and support themselves and like have, imagine that we just had an ultimate like middle income class where everybody who is in the lowest income bracket can still live like kings today. So right? you mean so, like uh, the worker class is replaced by middle class? Yeah, it, no, it essentially is a, what I'm saying is that, you know, wealth inequality will always exist, right? But wealth inequality in itself is not a bad thing. You have to look at, well, where does the inequality, like, where's the, what's the difference? Like, where is the actual absolute starting point and where is the end point? So if the absolute, like, starting point is above, you know, poverty, is above, like, it's like, let's say the absolute starting point is in the middle class, right? That's the lowest, you know, wealth that wealth a person could have, meaning that they're going to basically have access to education, they have access to clean drinking water, uh, food, they have shelter, they have a house, uh, they have access to the internet, because people like to throw that in there as, you know, a utility that people need. They, they basically live, like, they live comfortably, right? Um, and we describe that as, like, the absolute lowest point. If we can somehow get, create a world where that exists, then from that point on, all wealth inequality from then on out is irrelevant so uh, i would i would agree to that i would totally agree to that but but still um the argument that uh, wealth inequality uh is uh, okay uh stems from the fact that the, a certain amount of wealth inequality would create uh, an incentive for middle class men to work harder and to earn more but um is it actually incentive? I, I have certain doubts about this. Is it actually incentive that drives people's uh, drives people's uh, decide to work more? Because you know, I live in India and uh, we have a pretty solid public sector um, public sector here. So uh, these public sector employees uh, they don't get paid more if they work more, but they still work. Um, uh, they still work despite the fact that they're not gonna get any more money even though they work more so uh, I had this doubt that is it actually incentive uh, that makes people work or if it's a deep-rooted desire inside every human that make them work 
Um, I'll, I'll answer this one because, um, well, it's actually something that I, I, I just want to um, postulate and again, you know, maybe speak out loud a bit. So interrupt me when I've, you know, my word vomit has sort of become boring. Um, in my sort of role, and, and I can't reveal too much, um, uh, of course, you know, partially because I don't want anyone to figure out who I am and, and partially because I, the kind of work that I do, and unfortunately I can't divulge too much, but it does involve you know, speaking directly with people from all manner of, um, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds uh, and looking very, very deeply into their finances. Uh, and what I find is in Australia, uh, it, it kind of goes both ways. Now, there are people that I speak to and they'll make 40000 Australian dollars a year. Uh, in America, that's like the equivalent of about 30000 American dollars, give or take depending on the exchange rate and sort of living expenses, uh, not a lot of money. And, you know, that might be sort of their individual income. You know, it's certainly enough to get by in, in sort of out of, let's say, cities like Sydney or Melbourne. Um, but certainly you're not going to be living well. Um, it's, it's, it's basically just enough to get by. Um, but they just don't have any desire to, to, to earn any more, I sort of say. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not something that you directly ask, you know, especially when you're a sort of a professional kind of environment, you know, why do you, why do you earn so little? Uh, but a lot of people are perfectly content to have jobs that are very, very low stress, live in low cost of living areas and sort of just get by, um, you know, because employment and uh, careers are just not their primary motivation. And I think for individuals like that, um, I think the general living standards should be maintained and, and I think uh, economies tend to work out well, especially sort of even on a national level uh, where they can find places to live where, you know, maybe the opportunities for career development aren't as strong, uh, but cost of living is a lot lower. Now, on the other hand, in, in, I think in Sydney, uh, it, it is kind of a, a jerky thing to say, um, but I do believe that anybody that really wants to find a really good job and make a lot of money can do it. It is not going to be easy. Uh, a lot of the really high paying jobs in financial centers like Sydney, Melbourne, Singapore, or you know any other sort of major city around the world uh, is very stressful, but um, most people can do it. Uh, and I think there is the opportunities for most people that have sort of been raised in developed countries to, to, to kind of do that. In the same vein, I, I talk to people that are, you know, quite well off, uh, you know, maybe earn $300,000 a year, uh, which is very, you know, doing very, very well. You, you're looking at about $200,000 American then. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, there's nothing particularly remarkable about them. They just went into sort of high stress, um, you know, high expectation industries and kind of did well. And, you know, they got a lot of money out of it. Um, so I think in a certain sense, yes, it's all about what the individual's motivation is. Now, ceteris paribus economics where everything is equal and people have, you know, people just want more money because that's what, you know, our models dictate that they have to want. Um, yeah, perhaps what you're saying does kind of work out. But I think in a certain sense, um, there are individuals that just are content with basic living standards. And as long as you provide that, they're happy. And then, you know, as long as you can facilitate people that want to sort of work these higher levels, more stressful, more time consuming, uh, more life consuming jobs, there's the opportunity to do that there as well. Uh, now that but, is, uh, go ahead. Uh, but these public sector employees that I was talking about, they are not low employee. Like they, they don't get the salary to just get by. They are 
high uh, high income people they are um, not most of them are not middle class they are mostly upper class let's say what top you are talking about public sector enterprises in india most of, uh, most government employees uh, just that general one may take take uh, bsnl for example or maybe indian railways a station master uh, in indian railways on uh, just you basically just answer your own question it's just, huh? you're not supposed to give that much money to us public sectors at all private is always supposed you're always supposed to make more money in private sectors instead of public it's when you start spending a lot of money in public sectors that government starts to grow and a lack of anything starts to happen because government employees are never uh, going to positions no i like um th- that's that's a whole different topic there but i was uh, i was concentrating on the fact that these government employees still work and most of them still work uh, sincerely and to their level best even though they don't get any more improvements uh, in their pay and these are not just people who are at the lower middle class these are people from the upper middle class from the upper class my parents they both of them are government sector employees and they work to their level best i know because i see them every day and they don't get pay increments for that yet they yeah. do and they we uh, mine's an upper class family uh, upper middle class family i would say yeah, I think there's, so, look, I mean, uh, this is probably more of a, well, I mean, it, maybe it's an economics argument. And at the end of the day, economics is, is a study of, you know, how humans interact with things of value. And I think, um, yeah, what you sort of said there is true for a lot of places. Um, so in my work, for example, actually a majority of my income comes from commission. So if I work harder, if I do better, I make more money. Um, and that's not generally the case for most people out there. I'm actually a very sort of rare exception, especially in Australia. Um, not a lot of people aren't sort of paid like that. Um, but still, it doesn't mean that people aren't, you know, don't sort of put effort into their work. Uh, there's a few things to consider there. One, you know, maybe there's the tangible, actual sort of benefit of you know maybe you'll be the first in line for a promotion where you get to a more prestigious position we do earn more money so indirectly you know putting a lot of effort into your employment uh is still something that's in your personal best interest the other thing there is you know people get pride out of their work uh you know especially when you're looking at people in more senior positions like you know it sounds like uh, you and your parents are uh, in india with their government positions you know it sounds like they are responsible for you know, perhaps a team of people, perhaps they are sort of in a position that's highly respected. Uh, you know, people are, in a sense, proud of that. Now, that's not something that's monetarily tangible, um, but it's still giving some kind of, you know, benefit to them. They go home, they're proud, they get a little bit of, you know, uh, social status. And, you know, at the end of the day, what are you ultimately using, you know, any excess money for beyond your needs? It's all about garnering social status. Once your food, your utilities and, you know, your taxes are taken care of, anything extra, you know, that new fancy car, that slightly larger house, that 120-inch TV and um, the Lamborghini, it's all about oh, social status. Jesus Christ, that's a big TV. That's bigger than my Dropping $1,000 for EE's Patreon, you know, it's all about social status. <laughs> Hint, hint. <laughs> well, that's a necessity. <laughs> As a student, would you like to give me the money? Uh, um, that that uh, that that is actually true. My parents actually do have jobs that are that they have social that comes with social status with it. That's that that may be true. Yeah, 
Yeah. Hey, how much would we have to raise to make you do a video on a specific topic? Oh man, I'm doing I'll, wheel. man, I'll sell out so hard. Don't you worry about it. Leave twenty dollars for I, me. I, I, like... Okay, so I, I had this rumor. I had this rumor that. Will you take sponsorships? You, you would date someone who would give a donate a thousand dollars on Patreon. I heard this is a rumor, but you know, gotta get in the gay audience, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's what the money Wait, is. So, you mean to say if I donated a thousand dollars to EU's Patreon, you would have to date me? Yes, 100%. Yes. I'm pumping him out. Oh, Contract. I don't think that's, that's the case because I'm pretty sure EE's married, correct? Uh, EE is, is, is engaged, so, so close engaged. enough. Uh, a thousand dollars is a thousand dollars, so uh, you know. Thousand dollars. You know, how much is the ring? How much is the oh, ring? How much, can you return it? <laughs> Oof. Isn't that kind of slavery? It's not slavery. That's no, no these uh, economic. Are it's value exchange. Yeah, there's an exchange of values, therefore it's not yeah. slavery. You got an economics major. That's uh, your boy. And when you think about it, if you don't own everything, you'll always be a slave to someone. Okay, yeah, we could get down. We can go down semantics. And, you know. <laughs> My God, this is gonna turn into one of those weird hypothetical, like, bro. Yeah. When you think about it, okay. I do not want to go there. In terms, of, in terms of Germany's banking problem right now, with um, how do you think that? How do you think that entire situation is going? Because Germany is kind of in a in a heavy spot in which it needs to bail out its banks, but it also needs to keep political stability. So, well, I mean, last time Japan had that problem, they just invaded China. What exactly no, do you boy. mean? No, yeah, that's why I'm way wrong. Uh, no, that's a bad, pretty bad idea. Yeah, because, because you're forgetting about the last decade. I'm sure that I don't think they, no, I don't no, think Japan no. invaded uh, China during the last decade. Yeah, they invaded our hearts through anime, bro. Um, well, I mean, I think that's I think that's purely speculation. Uh, of course, you know the the, the European Union uh, has been going through a really tough time, but I, I think um, you know ultimately, uh, you know Germany will do what it has to do. It, it's got a, a balance of trade surplus, and I mean that puts it in a pretty strong position to have the flexibility to do what it needs to do in regards to its its banks that just want to kind of misbehave a little bit. Uh, and I do sort of predict that um, given Germany's kind of, you know, the social market economy system, right? Capitalism, uh, it's going to really slap them over the head uh, if it does need to, um, you know, bail them out or do anything sort of as extreme as that. Uh, because it's not as forgiving to a naughty, naughty companies as, let's say, the USA is. Uh, it'll set them straight. It'll it'll nationalize them or break them up. Or... Sorry, you, you, you forgot our government. Our government is garbage in there. We have, like, a system where our finance minister can allow monopolies if he wants to so monopolies what? can yes he can allow monopolies over any regulations you just say okay go fuse well um, i mean ultimately when you think about uh, it anybody in that kind of power most it, that's most most countries it might not be as explicit but uh, at the end of the day like let's say you have a company like amazon and let's say walmart gets bought by amazon and, and they own 100 percent of retail in america pretty much uh, by any sort of tangible amount uh, it would still be up to the discretion of, you know, some regulatory agency to go, hang on, no, 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 we're going to set you straight and split you up. 
Uh, if that doesn't happen, then they get away with it. It's only illegal if you get caught, and it's the same true effectively for... No, it's only illegal if no, people no. bring charges against you. That's, it, I mean, that's pretty much what lobbyists do in the United States is anyways. I mean, that's the reason the fossil fuel industry still has like half a dozen tax uh, provisions on its record. Same with like Lockheed Martin or Google or like all these big, big tech companies. Trump has meetings with them all the time. Oh. They're not monopolies, technically speaking, but, you know, they're just... No, yeah, and then look, I, 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 I'm not a, um, I'm not a fan of um, Donald Trump, you know, and I, I'll sort of say that quite openly. Um, but yeah, but, uh, but I don't think it should be held against him that he's having talks with, you know, major industry leaders from around the country. Um, you know, the, you know, Barack Obama did that. Bill Clinton did that. Yeah. All the Bushes did that. That that's something that is sensible. And I would imagine that uh, you know, in Australia, you know, uh, Scott Morrison would do that with our major, you know, national CEOs. That is just what you know, running an effective economy is about. You got you got to sort of know who the players are. And uh, you know, look, I mean, if they sort of discuss things that are a bit uncouth. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's not great, but uh, it's up to sort of us to determine what those conversations are. You know, that's the sort of foundation of a democracy. Uh, but anyway, and look, I mean, that's... Politically, get... even politically, uh, the, it's you can actually make somewhat of a justification for what he's doing in, like, Pennsylvania and West Virginia because the Federal Reserve just put out a report saying that they're expected to decline their economies. And that's because of their fossil fuel industry. So you have a political incentive to boost those up even if it's not beneficial to the economy yeah and uh, look um there's there's one other uh so it is one o'clock here and i i do have to go to sleep but i want to answer uh just an anonymous turtles question really quickly uh, before i do uh, if i did miss any of your questions i apologize sincerely and please for the love of god keep the conversation going um you don't need my opinion more okay. so than anyone else's here in the chat and it's actually i think this is the biggest chat that i've ever seen um, with the most people on there, but anyway, uh, yeah, channel is growing, so yeah. Well, last week with the, the Star Wars video, it was only sort of about you know maybe 12 people on here, but anyway, that's good. I'm glad that you all sort oh, of yeah, tuned in. Yeah, maybe it was maybe it was just a bad time, but anyway, that's all right. Uh, Anonymous, ah, uh, see, there you go. Well, you know, more people are still sort of learning, that's great. Uh, anyway, Anonymous Tell said, Will economics explain talk about Dutch disease a little bit? I'm confused as to what it means uh, and why resources affect manufacturing industry. Really, really good question, and I'm going to try and keep it as simple as possible. And we'll use uh, the Netherlands as an example. So um, the Netherlands is you know, the, the namesake of, of Dutch disease uh, because... Uh, let's say you are in the Netherlands and, and you're producing something. Ah, no, what, what are they producing? Them? Uh, wooden shoes. Uh, you're, you're producing clogs and you're selling them to America. Okay. Now, the Netherlands, you know, is euros. So, uh, but let's imagine that they use their own cu currency. I don't know. What did, the Netherlands what, did, what did the Netherlands have before it adopted the euro? Was it a franc or dollar? Yeah, or? Let's just go with that. Yeah, let's right. Go with yeah. It's, so Which country? It's it's gold. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's yeah. It, oh my god. I don't even know why I asked. I, re I regret asking. I regret asking. Yeah. A, a Dutch. Write this balance. Oh, for the love of God, please no. Uh, a, a Dutch franc. A Dutch franc. And um, you're selling your clogs. And let's say um, you know uh, the exchange rate is one to one. So uh, now obviously you are a, a person in the Netherlands. You want to get paid in in Dutch francs. 
Uh, but when you're selling your clogs to Americans, they're only going to be able to pay for it using uh, American dollars. But that's okay. They, they pay using their American dollars and they just exchange it. Um, so they exchange their one American dollar for one uh, Dutch franc and, you know, everyone's happy. They get their clog, you get your, your uh, you know, your one franc and that's all fit well and good. Now, uh, the Netherlands discovered a huge deposit of gas, natural gas, in its, uh, you know, in its borders. Uh, I believe it was sort of the 1970s. I could be wrong there, but anyway, the 1970s. Um, and what that meant is suddenly it had this amazing uh, export commodity that everyone wanted. Everyone wants fossil fuels. So it sold it to, let's say, the United States again. Okay. Uh, now, the United States... Again, same sort of thing, you know, uh, Dutch oil or gas companies don't want to get paid in American dollars, so they need to exchange the currency. Now, an American individual only has American dollars to spend, so, so they just exchange the currency. So what an American will do is they'll send their money, their cash, over to the Netherlands, and then they'll exchange it. But suddenly, they are demanding more and more and more Dutch francs because they want to buy more and more and more Dutch gas and they need to do that exchange. So what that means is that demand for Dutch francs goes up and as the demand goes up so too does the price. Suddenly you need two American dollars to buy one Dutch franc because the value of the Dutch franc has appreciated so much. Now what that means is that for our clog maker he is trying to sell his clogs in America and he wants one Dutch franc for his clogs. So he goes to the American market and says, hello, you know, I, I'd like to sell my clog. It's going to be one Dutch franc. People suddenly go, holy shit, that's going to cost me two American dollars to buy a wooden shoe. It was half that price, you know, three months ago. And the, you know, Dutch shoemaker sort of saying, well, I haven't increased my prices. I'm still, I'm still making the same amount. I'm still making the same amount of profit, you know, maybe 10 cents profit per shoe after I've spent 90, you know, Dutch cents on, on, on all my materials here. Um, you know, what the hell? Uh, I can't raise my prices, you know, no one's buying my shoes anymore because suddenly they become so much more expensive. And the reason that they become so much more expensive is because of Dutch disease. You get so wealthy off a single export that people have such an in insatiable demand for that it increases the demand for your currency. Oh, lordy. <laughs> Somebody's got Somebody's got there you go. I think it was. I think it was for... We're done. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it increases the demand for your currency, which increases the the uh, the price of your currency, which makes all of your regular exports, like clogs, much more expensive in the international market, and then much less competitive. Uh, and I hope that sort of makes sense. It's sort of a weird kind of function of the foreign exchange market that Dutch disease is a thing. Uh, and there are other sort of smaller sort of niches to it, but that's the main, um, that's the main driver of it. Uh, that, yeah, it, it increases the value of your local currency because people sort of demand it. Uh, and that makes regular sort of standard exports much, much less competitive. Yeah, so I hope, does that answer the question? Don't you fight um, a deflation by printing money? You cannot let that happen. Yeah, so you can do that, but that causes issues in your domestic economy. A lot of people aren't exposed to selling clogs or natural gas abroad, and you just have a lot of extra money washing around your domestic economy that eats into people's savings, it affects loans, things of that nature. Uh, you, you still don't want a high level of inflation. It can counteract some of those effects. 
I mean, that's one of the major flaws of the Eurozone for the countries less involved in it. Uh, that's I mean, like exactly Spain, right. The, the thing that Spain could always do is basically dev devalue their currency if they wanted to be competitive. No, they can't do this anymore. Yeah, that's actually... Why don't they sell the US dollars then instead of uh, their franc? Uh, because let's, let's say you're a gas worker. Uh, well, where, whereabouts do you live, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Canada. Okay, Canada. Perfect. All right. You know, Canada has major natural gas deposits and things of that nature. Um, so, uh, how would you feel about being paid uh, in euros? Uh, well, the company could be paid in uh, Canadian dollars, and then they could convert it and pay me in uh, Canadian dollars. Well, um, so they're gonna. The company could be paid in the... dollars. They're and gonna, then they would convert the money and pay their workers in Canadian dollars. So they're going to sell, let's say, coal to, to, to Europe. They get paid in euros, and then they're going to convert that and pay you in Canadian dollars? Yeah, just for, just for the workers. Yeah, I would say that. Okay. What about if you're a shareholder? Would you want to be paid in euros? But if I, if I, wanna, if I say I want to be paid in Canadian dollars, that would cause an econ a negative economic effect, wouldn't it? So it would, I would prefer for them to, you know, pay me the Canadian dollars, and, but com convert it. Like, it would make more sense for them to get paid first in euros. Okay, so let's say the company gets paid in euros, right? They would have to convert it, those euros to, to Canadian dollars to pay you. They would have to convert those Cana uh, euros to Canadian dollars to pay their suppliers. They would have to convert those euros to Canadian dollars to pay their shareholders. Uh, and they would have to convert most of those euros to Canadian dollars to, to even keep or reinvest into the company as profit. Uh, so effectively it does exactly the same thing. You've avoided nothing. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so whether, it's, whether it's the company getting paid in euros or Canadian dollars, somewhere that exchange has to take place. Doesn't yeah, that at least somewhat help the market though? Because yeah, you're... The reserve, the, the reserve then gets those euros, and then they don't have to exchange their Canadian dollars to euros when they do trade back to Europe. Maybe my logic is flawed here. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, look, uh, at the end of the day, you've got to recognize that it's a sort of a one-sided demand. Um, you know, in this case, it would be the demand for whoever has... The, the demand for the currency of whoever has the natural resource is going to increase. Uh, and with that, it makes their regular exports less competitive. Uh, foreign exchange, just by virtue of being pairs, pairs of things that we tend to see as transactional entities, like pairs of currencies, is very confusing. Um, it, it's one of those things that's incredibly difficult to wrap your head around. Um, but what you've got to remember, I mean, look, even if just so it's the fundamentals of uh, Dutch disease, is, is if you have commodities... People are going to need to buy your currency to buy those commodities. When people buy a currency, it increases the value, uh, which means that your exports are comparatively more expensive. So, yeah. Anyway, I have got to go to bed. Thank you guys for all of the questions. Please keep the conversation going. This is the most I've ever seen of uh, people in, in the VC chat, so it's really, really good. And I think for the most part, you guys are probably guiding the conversation more so than I was. But uh, yeah, other than that, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed the video. Uh, hopefully I'll see you all on Thursday when the next video goes up. Have a good night. Yeah, thank Cheers, you. guys. Bye. Bye.